I'm standing there. I'm in my white and royal blue um, Royals jersey, and we're in the racquetball court because, like, that's the normal place to take photos at Bethel, apparently, for sports. And so we're all standing around, and we just got finished with our photos. So it's like, your makeup, there's no pressure to be perfect anymore. So, you know, we're laughing and doing all the stuff. And now we're doing game day photos, which is kind of weird because it's cross country, but that's what they call it. And so someone had the bright idea of doing a freshman pyramid with the freshman girls. Yeah, right? And so (laughs) we're like, so I'm a sophomore, and so we're like watching and kind of laughing and, you know, like whipping out our phones because this is probably like not going to end well. (laughs) And so there are all these like girls who just come off of like all of our summer running. And so all these lanky girls are trying to pile like up one stack at a time. And so they're starting with like uh, the bottom layer of like, I don't even know, like there's probably like 15 freshman girls. And so it's like an insane amount. And so they go stack by stack and then they add on another layer of girls until we get to the top. And Josie's climbing up everyone's Brooks and Nike shoes to get to the top. (laughs) And just as she starts to almost reach and get up there, it all comes crashing down. Oh no. (laughs) One, two, ready. Wise Builders. I'm Cece, and I like coffee, the Mamma Mia movies, and the Tis the Season scented candle. And I'm Joe, and I like bonfires, reading Bonhoeffer, and the smell of rain. And I'm Lydia, and I like colorful sunsets, badminton, and burnt marshmallows. I know, I know, I can hear the judgment. So, welcome to Modern Story Podcast, episode number two. Today, we're telling stories about foundational faith moments. Yeah, and I just have to say, I'm a Bible nerd, so... Lydia's story yes. reminded me <laughs> about um, a story in Matthew. So towards the end of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is telling the parable of the two builders, right? So one man built his house on the sand, and when the storm came, his house was washed away. But the other man built his house on the rock, and because of its strong foundation, it withstood the storm. And Jesus told this parable in order to show that in order to withstand the challenges and trials of life, we have to be firmly founded on God. And today, I think this really relates because we're going to be talking about how um, there are moments in each of our faith stories that become foundational for how our relationship with God continues to grow. Yeah, I love how you connected that to Matthew 7. I feel like that's one of those Bible stories that we all hear growing up. Mm -hmm. um, And so it's really fun to see that come into play. I do agree. I think that it comes into um, play with the foundation piece in each of our stories. Awesome. So let's get started with Cece and her story called Dry Bones to Life. The heat of the church was compressing us down into the pews, all of us trying to create a hot breeze with our notebooks searching for any sort of relief. Our leader stepped up on the small stage and announced, here's your new student pastor, Brandon. Let's give him a warm Eaglebrook Church welcome. Applause echoed throughout the arch ceilings of the church, which was soon replaced with chatter about the new pastor starting work for our church during a mission trip instead of at the beginning of the year. What happened to our old pastor? Who is this guy? Where did he come from? Why didn't anyone tell us we were getting a new pastor? Confusion struck everyone in the room, but soon the chatter settled. The church seemed to be getting hotter, and as I try and unstick my legs from the pew, I heard Brandon start his message for the first day of our trip to Detroit. When he started to speak, we were surprised by how powerful his voice was. His booming voice echoed over the church. Close your eyes, he said. I want to bring you into a Bible story. 
His emphasis on the word into caught my attention. As I closed my eyes, I heard the pastor say, The Lord said to the bones, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. As he declared this, the drummer from the band started drumming to make the sound of dry bones coming to life. As the pastor continued in intensity with the story, so did the drums. I could hear the miracles God did. I could hear the dead coming to life. I could see the miracles unfold. It was emotional, powerful, and surreal. The miracle was real. God's power was real. Our church's mission was real. We stood up to worship, and our pastor was calling us to accept the Holy Spirit to strengthen our relationship with God and better our lives. I felt a tightening in my chest, and it created a lump in my throat. I felt a tear roll down my cheek, but it wasn't of sadness, but of joy, because of what God was doing within me. As we lifted our hands, a chill ran through my body and filled me. I was no longer consumed by the heat, but felt renewed and cool again. As I accepted the Holy Spirit to come forth in my life more, I felt fresh and I felt a relief from the heat and tough conditions we were in on that mission trip. It brought me back into the new life I had within Jesus. Wow, Cece, I just love that story. Um, that is just such an incredible like, foundational faith moment, truly, in your life. Um, so I have a really, um, I guess just my question bouncing off of that is, so Brandon, like this new guy who you'd never met before, did he ever bring you into another Bible story when you had him as a pastor, like going down the road? Yeah, he was actually our pastor our entire senior year of high school, and he brought a new light to every Bible story that you've classically heard as a child. And he just kind of opened all of our eyes to a different way of thinking about our faith. And I think, at least for me personally, I felt growth with my faith um, through Brandon's messages the entire year. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, one of my favorite parts about the story was just hearing about how the Holy Spirit's power was an active presence in your life and yeah. really deeply impacted you. So my question is, how do you think the Holy Spirit helps us to, going back to Matthew 7, build wisely? Yeah, wow, that's a great question. Um, I like to think of it as you start your faith with Jesus right when you say yes and accept him into your life. But to live with God throughout your whole life, you use the Holy Spirit as kind of your motivator to keep going. It's your aid through your life. And so I think the Holy Spirit just keeps you activated in your faith as you go through your life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So here is Lydia and her story called Father the Finish Line. I feel the sweat bubble on my forehead as adrenaline races along my veins from the gunshot. Just as I steady my pace, pain pricks my foot while my spikes stab the ground beneath me. As an oh no echoes in my head, so does a prayer. My arms race alongside my navy and white royals uniform as I point my fingers to the sky and whisper in the wind. You are my father and you fill in the gaps. And if I'm going to do this, you're going to have to help me. Who all lives here, one of my teammates asks later in the day. Five or six of them line up outside my bathroom after a long bus ride that's merely halfway through. Sandwiches and fresh fruit trays await us in the barn to fuel the remainder of our journey. They gaze upon the photos lining the hallway. It's embarrassing, really. As an only child, they are mostly me. My teammates' eyes traverse the second floor, scanning the number of doorways with lingering questions. Just moments prior, I led them up my childhood staircase, the steps I had raced down, jumping onto the landing and careening around the corner to the Christmas tree. 
Dad always videotaped while Mom snapped photos on her cannon. The steps I would later drag belongings down to move to Bethel. I know every groan, every worn patch of carpet from years of taking them two at a time. I could always tell which parent was coming upstairs by their footfalls. I can't recall the distinction anymore. It's just my mom and me. I try to sound cheery. It's not that I'm not. My mom is my best friend. It's just awkward. Their shock. Their surprise. My dad passed away from cancer when I was 14, I add. Cleared some of the mystery from their minds. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I solemnly thank them, but now my narrative has a plot twist. Actually, I started running when my dad was sick. Part of me did it to make him proud, even after he passed, even though I knew he loved me no matter what. I pause, then ramble on, their faces curious. I still recall one high school meet where I ran for my dad and raced a personal best. My mind flashes to today's race. There's my prayer, mom's cheering, the continued strength, Malachi's voice in the crowd. Get the girl in the French braids, Mal said. Lord, if I'm going to do this, I prayed, then began to pick up speed. Back and forth, we careened like a seesaw, French braids leading then me. The boys' team stopped their cooldown to shout, Lydia, you're strong, you can do this, a thousand meters to go. Past the curves, drowning out the flags and fans, I focused on the clock and the finish line. What did that time set again, I would later think, after I congratulated the girls behind me, including French braids, and the ones before me still catching their breath. Salty tears had stung my cheeks after I realized my Heavenly Father helped me to race a personal best, even before I knew by how much. Oh Lord, you are my Father God, thank you, Lord. I repeated over and over, with my hands raised to the sky, the words sinking into my soul in a fresh way. And with tears tracing my cheeks again, I look into the eyes of my teammates down my hallway of memories. And today, I raced for him. Wow, Lydia, I'm so glad that you found something so great to help with your loss. Um, I really love that part of your story um, when you were talking about the stairs and how you can hear the footsteps of your parents, because <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. something that like universally all of us go through, right? Um, so my follow-up question for you is, did your father's faith help you to lean on God while you were experiencing this loss? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's something that my mom and I, um, our motto has really been choose joy. And I think that's something you just kind of, like we say choose because it's a decision and it's not always an easy decision. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean you're never sad because obviously like it was a heartbreaking loss and it still is in many ways. Um, but it was just something that we had to decide that like we weren't going to let the enemy win in this. And my dad had such a strong faith and that was just so foundational in me being able to move forward from this because I knew that um, that would make him the proudest is if we kept going and if I didn't lose faith. And so that was just very impactful for me, just imagining him and um, his hours of prayer that he used to spend in his strong faith as I went through this. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about this story is just um, a theme throughout the whole thing is that um, your relationship with God is like a relationship with your father. Mm -hmm. And that's just really beautiful, I think, because God is the one that holds our hand. He guides us through life. And I think that parallel is really awesome. So my question is, it's actually a fun one. Like, what is your favorite thing about your relationship with God? Wow, I love that. Um, it took me, like, a long time to get to the point of, like, seeing God as that father figure. So that's definitely something that I'm, like, developing in my walk with him, which has been really cool. Um, but just all along, I feel like my favorite part of my relationship with God is just, like, seeing him in those small moments. Like, I don't know, just, like, walking down the hallway and having a hard day and someone, like, smiles and stops and takes time to ask you how your day is or, like, 
really good cup of coffee yeah. from RG <laughs> or just like those little moments where you're like, okay, God, like I see you. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. Um, and I really find that in running and in schoolwork and just the things that I'm involved in. So that's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So here is Joanna and her story called Simply Love. Before I could even say goodbye to the missionaries, Wyatt's hand wrapped around my arm and he pulled me across the broad cement walkways of the open-air church. Together we followed the Togolese teenagers, fumbling our steps in the sand as we crossed to the other side of the walled space. When we reached the large, burnt red door, I hesitated. Just a few more steps and I would be entering a world entirely unfamiliar to me. Hurry up, Joe, bellowed Wyatt, a goofy grin dancing on his face as he energetically waved at me to catch up with the group. Realizing my delay, I ran across the threshold into the rural backyard of the church. To onlookers, we likely looked out of place. We were three very white and confused-looking young people following a crowd of our new Togolese friends across the fields of West Africa. We passed an older man, leaning on his rusty shovel as he rested from working on his farm. A worn straw hat shielded his face from the sun. Still, his eyes followed our group as we marched by. I was a newly recruited lost boy of Neverland, trusting in the guidance of a young, spry, and confident Peter Pan as he led us on a new adventure. Except in this case, Peter Pan's name was actually John, the son of the head pastor at the church we were visiting. After a couple minutes of walking, John turned around and pointed to a nearby village off of the ocean, the first stop on our short sojourn. I remembered what Sarah, the motherly and assuring missionary, had excitedly told us earlier, prompting our venture. John and the others are going to take you guys to go tell the kids of the nearby villages that Bible camp is starting today. As John stepped into the village, little kids came sprinting from every direction, eager to greet him and to meet the new strangers who came with him. Though I didn't understand what was being said, I grinned as I observed the eager eyes and bright smiles of every kid invited by one of the Togolese teenage leaders to the church for camp. We laughed with these kids, danced with them, played games with them, and held their hands as we walked back to the church. I was reminded of the words etched on the cover of my old and tattered cartoon children's Bible. Let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven is for such as these. I was in awe of my new friends. I couldn't talk to them. I couldn't understand them. I couldn't even hear their stories. But the way they treated each other and the kids spoke for them. Love spoke for them. As we started heading back to the church, the steady rhythm of our steps was halted by a sudden disruption. Eek! screamed one of the girls close to the front of our group. <laughs> Startled, I looked in the direction of the commotion and saw John laughing. His silly smile easily stretched across his face. Guilty, he pinched his weapon between his narrow fingers and held it up for us to see. A small reed, resembling a feather duster, which he had used to tickle the neck of his unsuspecting friend. Within just seconds, we had all armed ourselves with our own feather dusters and began to ambush each other with their soft plumes. The whole way back, we chased each other, shrieking whenever someone managed a successful sneak attack, our laughter uniting us under love. Wow, Joe, um, I loved that. That's such a fun story. Um, I really loved when you were saying like you couldn't communicate them with them through words um, because you had different languages, but um, the universal thing of tickling just brought you <laughs> together, and I think that's so cool. Um, my question for you is, what aspects of this mission trip um, did you have to lean on God and your faith in the most? That's a really good question. 
Um, I think it goes back to the existence of the language barrier. This was the first trip I'd been on where um, I didn't have any knowledge of the language they were speaking, which was um, French and Eve, the tribal language. And um, so that was a little bit of a difficulty for me. (laughs) But um, God just taught me that it doesn't necessarily matter that there's a language barrier, that love speaks more boldly than words do. Right. So that's awesome. Wow. I absolutely love that. And I think something that really stuck out to me was like just the analogy of Peter Pan. Like that was just so cool. It just Mm kind of gives it like an adventuresome theme. And like, like you said, like that uncertainty with the language barriers and different things like you were really like following Jesus in that sense um, as you went on that mission trip. And so um, my question for you is how did this moment impact how you love others going forward? That's a great question too. Um, Guys, such good question. I think that this trip taught me that loving people is something that can be simple. Loving Mm -hmm. people like happens in the day-to-day interactions. You don't have to go across the world in order to discover how to love someone, you can love someone um, that's right next to you because you never know who's going to need it. And that's what Jesus would do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So guys, what have we learned today? Um, I think that I learned today, um, especially in Cece's story, just a great reminder of the power of the Holy Spirit. And specifically, I love that image of the drums that you were talking about, how they just mimicked the dry bones coming to life. It was a great reminder of how the Holy Spirit is active and powerful in our lives. We can have confidence in who God is and who we are because His Spirit lives within us. Yeah. Um, And with your story, Lydia, um, first of all, is just so powerful. But I think we all learned how God works through loss and how a foundation built on Him supports that growth through the pain. And even though it was obviously a struggle to keep your faith, um, you were able to come out stronger on the other side because of that foundation that you had. Yeah, and um, Joe, I really just loved your story and how you, um, especially like titling it Simple Love. Um, I love the idea that simple love transcends languages and borders. And this is truly like what Christ's gospel is about and the main message of our faith. And you really portrayed that beautifully. Um, I love how you illustrated that like simple joy um, in love that has a profound impact on both those we are loving and then like us as individuals as well. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, well, we want to thank some people for helping us out on this Modern Story podcast at Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks to Professor Chris Schofner and his teaching assistants for maintaining the podcast studio and giving us access to it. Thanks to writers such as Sadie Robertson and Dr. Seuss, (laughs) who inspired our stories. And we should also thank each other for our edits. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look for the next episode of Modern Story Podcast, which is about self-doubt. A very relatable topic, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And lastly, go tell your great aunt. The guy you talked to last. Your chiropractor. Fifth period English teacher. Your mom's high school best friend. Your RD. Your golden retriever. Your cockapoo. Your cavapoo. And Scott Winter and Susan Brooks about modern stories.